do agree that, you know, it's time that we all wake up and take responsibility, even for our ancestors that did not know any better. been waiting patiently to have this kind of conversation. <laughs> Hello. Today we have a very special guest, Terry McGilgill. And today, you know, I want to talk about, you know, how highly successful business owners and professionals, they've become unfulfilled, unsatisfied, burnt out, a new level of stress, and it's affecting their personal relationships. So Terry, explain to us, you know, what it is that you do and how this came about for you. Um, yeah, sure, Kimberly. So I'm an executive and career coach, and I'm also the author of a book called Winning the Game of Work, Career, Happiness, and Success on Your Own Terms. Um, how it came about, I actually worked in the corporate world for 30 years until I made the transition in 2017 to become a certified professional coach. And so, you know, funny enough, I pretty much work with people that used to be me. Um, because, you know, there were times in my career where I was very happy and there were times where I was very frustrated and a lot of times didn't know how to get from where I was to a better place. Um, I was lucky along the way to, well, maybe not so lucky, often lessons that I learned, I learned the hard way. You know, I fell on my face and I figured out what I did wrong and I didn't do that again. But I also was lucky to have some good mentors and I did hire coaches a couple times where I recognized that I kept running into the same brick wall and I did not know how to get around it. So I worked with people that helped me figure that out. So that's what I do now. And, um, you know, what I, what I see very often is, like I said, you know, people who they've got ambitions for their life and career and they think they're doing the right things to make that happen, but sometimes just are stumbling or running into obstacles and they really don't know how to get past it. And for many people that, you know, I talk about working with people that are successful but not satisfied. And what I mean by that is that if you looked at them on paper, you'd say, you know, great title, great company, you're making a lot of money, what do you have to complain about? But yet they want more. And they don't know how to make it happen. They've tried everything. They've worked hard. They've taken on more, more responsibility. And it's still not getting them what they want out of their careers. So I work with them to figure out how they can get from where they are to where they want to go. Well, wouldn't it be safe to say, Terry, that a lot of times, you know, where, you know, where I talk about limited beliefs and mental programming, it's we're taught you know and it goes in history you know go to school get a good yeah. good grades and get a good job that doesn't even apply in this day and time and that's it's part of a history repeating self everybody's program that i got to do this yeah. i should be that way i got to dress this way and whatnot but they're not connecting to what is it about me? What is it that I want to do? Not what somebody mm -hmm. told me that I want to do. Does that take 
uh, are is a contributor factor of why people are unsuccessful yeah. successful and they're not fulfilled because they're doing yes. something that's not meaningful to them? Yes, absolutely. And it's it's funny because when I was writing my book, I came across some research by a professor at Harvard Business School named Tom DeLong, and he studied high achievers. And his uh, thought is that, uh, and you know, his research is based on this, that high achievers are addicted to external validation. So, you know, just going back to what you were saying, like that, you know, okay, these are the quote unquote rules of how you get ahead. And it starts back when we're you know, really young children or, or when we're going into school and we get rewarded for um, delaying gratification, right? Where, where the teacher is giving you a star on your paper when you're in elementary school and you're like, oh, I got a star. So I'm going to, instead of, you know, talking with my friends or playing or whatever, I'm going to do my worksheet so I get the star. And then that just continues where, you know, you might I was a little bit of a nerd when I was in high school. And so you might say, I'm not going to go out to the party tonight because I'm going to stay home and study for my chemistry exam, right? But but I was being rewarded for that. I was getting a good grade in or getting good grades in school and then, you know, getting into a good college and then getting attention when I was applying for jobs because I did go to a good college. And, you know, you keep getting rewarded for it. But what's happening all along the way is that because we're so focused on what does my boss want? Oh, is my boss going to think badly of me if I leave early to go to my kid's soccer game? You know, we're allowing these external expectations or judgments of us to control how we show up and how we behave. And what's happening along the way for many of us is that we lose that strong connection with our own inner wisdom and our own inner desires. And very often, whenever I first start working with people or, you know, when we're talking to see if they want to work with me, you know, I'll, I'll ask them, like, well, what is it that you want? Like, if you could have the thing that you want, what does that look like? And one of two things happens. One, time, uh, one is that they'll say, I really don't know. You know, and I actually believe that everybody very deep down does know. But when people are saying that they don't know, there's like sort of a, an inner defense mechanism that is keeping them from admitting the thing that they want because they don't want to be disappointed, right? Or they're fearful that they're not going to be able to have it. Or what will happen is they'll, they'll say, I know exactly what I want, but here's all the reasons why I can't have it. Like I, you know, if I get the only way I can get promoted to the next level is if I have an MBA or I'm willing to work 80 hours a week or I need to move to a different city or something like that. And I, I always encourage people to separate those things, like get in touch with the thing that you want. And you probably are going to have to, you know, deal with some limiting beliefs or some fears because naturally we all want to protect ourselves from risk and from, you know, about bad outcomes or being disappointed. We all do that. It's just a natural defense coping mechanism. Um, but separate the thing you want from how you're going to get it. Um, because these are two separate things. And sometimes we don't know how we might get it. But if we start, if we admit that we want that, and we start thinking about like, what's one step I could do to just start walking in that direction? Every step of the way that you take towards something that really, you know, that you feel strongly and passionate about, you're going to be learning. You're going to be meeting new people. You're going to be learning new things. You may shift your, your goal from, 
that, you know, whatever it was originally to something that's adjacent to it. Or you might get close to it and you'll say, oh, now that I see it up close, I don't want to do that. But then that's going to give you more information about how you pivot and do something different. But, you know, frankly, I think that as long as we're alive, we should be pursuing things that bring us happiness and joy and fulfillment and feel authentic to who we are as people. And do you think a lot of times it's because of society, religion, our upbringing, it creates a false identity. It creates a misconception. And then we're just going around not even being our true authentic selves. Yeah. I mean, nobody wants to be rejected. Okay. And, uh, you know, when our parents or our religion or our community tells us this is the way you quote unquote should be, they're not doing it necessarily to hurt us, right? They're doing it because they do care about us and they want us to be successful. And other people that have walked this path have been quote unquote successful, whatever that is, right? They've survived, <laughs> you know, because if you look back, you know, hundreds of years, people weren't saying like, how do I reach the ultimate, you know, spiritual attainment, right? They were like, how do I survive, right? How do I like make sure that all my children, you know, don't die of some terrible childhood illness, right? How do I make sure I have enough food to feed my, you know, myself and my family, right? And so that's where I think a lot of these old rules come from. You know, we're, we're a more advanced society now. And so we've solved some of those basic, you know, it, not everywhere, but in most, you know, modern areas, we've solved those basics of like, how do you get enough food? How do you, you know, get shelter and, and heat and all of that water, clean water. Um, but I think that those survival mechanisms are still sort of like hardwired within us. And sometimes we've got to stop and, and we've got that feeling of like, oh no, this is, you know, if I do this, it's going to be threatening. I might be hurt. We need to stop and say, what's the worst that could really happen in this situation, right? Am I going to die? You know, okay, maybe I, may, I mean, sometimes people will, I'll ask them about, you know, some situation at work and I'll, I'll say like, what's the worst that could happen? And they'll say, well, I could get fired. And then, you know, we, we start looking at that and I'm like, how likely is that, right? Is that, is that really likely that you're going to get fired? You're, you're looked at as a top performer on your team, right? And so when they start to realize that there's a lot more leeway and that, you know, there's just part of them that's being very strict about protecting them. I mean, it's, that's natural. We all do that. But sometimes we have to reexamine our own beliefs to say, is this limiting me from getting the thing that I want? You know, there's, um, you know, I, I heard the saying that, you know, no progress was ever made inside the comfort zone, right? If we want to move towards something new and more fulfilling, we're going to have to at least put a little toe outside the comfort zone, right? And every, every small step that we take, we're expanding our comfort zone. Um, but we can't be safe, you know, like sit here safely and get the things that, that we want if it's, you know, it's not going to just fall like manna from the heavens. <laughs> right. Well, and, and not only that, but if you're looking at history of based on, you know, our parents and, you know, society, culture, and even religion, it, you gotta, 
look back and say, okay, well, back in those times, that's what they believed. Yes. And but now we're in this time. I don't think that belief applies. Right. Not apply today. So it's just recognizing, like, and some people are still stuck in their belief, though. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Sometimes it's safe. You know, I, I think about when I graduated from college, um, my grandparents said, oh, go get yourself a good government job. <laughs> and I was thinking, there ain't no way. I don't, nothing wrong with government jobs. I did not want that, right? But to them, they looked at that like, that's a secure job that you can have for life, right? And these are, you know, my grandparents came uh, of age during the Great Depression. You know, my grandmother grew up in a farm in like Montana and moved to the big city of Minneapolis. And, you know, like her her story really was like one of survival. You know, she, she was like a hairdresser and she worked at a restaurant part time to get her meals. You know, I mean, she was she was figuring out how to survive on her own. And, you know, she eventually did get a, a job with the government you know, and, and so to her, that was like secure, right? Like she didn't have to worry about starvation, you know? Um, but things are different, right? Things are different now. And I think that we do sometimes need to recognize that our parents and grandparents or other people that are giving us advice, their situation might not be the same as ours. And it is important to kind of examine our own assumptions about things and to look at our own beliefs and say, is this, is this serving me? You know? Absolutely. And, um, you know, a lot of people, <clears throat> they miss opportunities because of their, oh, this is too risky. This is, and it's yeah. here, which is a false evidence appearing real. Yes. But my thing is, well, how would you even know unless you tried? Right. Right. And I, I will tell you, I mean, it is amazing to me how when people will admit what they want and even though they might be scared, still take action, how, you know, not to get too woo woo, but sometimes how the, the universe cooperates to give them the thing that they want. I mean, I've had clients that, you know, were having a hard time uh, finding a job, you know, they were applying and having a hard time finding, getting the interviews. And I said, okay, well, I, I always say to people like network, right? Find somebody that's doing uh, what you wanna do or just start talking to people that are sort of in and around the thing that you're interested in. And I had one client who just got introduced to somebody that his father-in-law knew and had a coffee with him. It was not a job interview, but by the end of the coffee, he actually had a job offer because the um, this guy was a, the person he had coffee with was the um, partner in a regional accounting firm. And he just recognized that my client sort of, that they had a hole right in the middle of their firm that this guy fit. And for many, uh, he, he went from working at a big four accounting firm to working in this regional firm and he had a lot more freedom. He had a shorter commute. He was able to step in and uh, mentor the younger accountants, get get involved in a lot more things than he could have at his old job, which by the way, you know, it definitely was the definition of successful, but not satisfied. I mean, he was making a good amount of money. He was looked at as very, um, you know, he was looked at positively within his organization, but he felt very stilted because 
he was sort of pigeonholed in this particular area. He didn't love that. Um, and it just, he was like a little bit more of a creative person than what he could be in this firm. And so just, he didn't feel comfortable with, with networking at first, but we talked about like, how do you approach people? How do you talk to them? You know, how do you let them know who you are? And, you know, just by him revealing who he was and what his, his sort of aspirations were in his career, it connected with this other person and he ended up getting a job with a 10 minute commute. Well, that's what I call synchronicities. Yes. Because yeah. we're all energy. Yeah. You know, and when you start looking inward and saying, okay, what, what am I not getting? Or what is it I truly want to do? Or who I, who do I want to become? Yeah. When you get real with yourself and connect to that higher self, greater intelligence, God, Tao, whatever you want to call it, things start to pop up. Mm-hmm like a song or you meet somebody and then they happen to make a statement and it just that's where synchronizations comes in and brings you the opportunity yeah. because you're lining up with your soul purpose yes yes and so i think so often um especially for people that are you know kind of have gone to college and all of that like we tune in so much with their brain right like we will rationalize everything and justify everything and often ignore signals like do we get butterflies do i feel you know my heartstrings pull do i are my palms getting sweaty right like we need to tune into all of the intelligence that we have within us you know and and learning how to you know, tune into our own intuition um, is is important. And, you know, to, to your point, one of the things that I, it's a little strange, but I'll share it anyway, because it, it talks to the synchronicity that you were talking about. Um, when I was in the corporate world, I got to a point with my job where I just recognized this really interesting pattern that sometimes I would get a bit of information, a phone call, a piece of mail, and when I would look at it, you know, under normal circumstances, I might just ignore it or throw in the trash or whatever. But part of me would say, keep that. You're probably going to need it. And so I would just, you know, tuck it away on the side of my desk. And one of the things I noticed was that usually within a day, it might, have, might even be, be like 10 minutes later or the next day, you know, my boss might call or somebody would call and say, hey, do you know somebody that does this or... Yeah, whatever. And I'd be like, wow, that's so crazy. Like that came to me right mm -hmm. at the moment that I needed it. But I was willing to kind of tune into just that feeling that I had that I don't know how or why, but this feels like something I should pay attention to. And I think all of us have that opportunity to start, you know, paying attention. Uh, you know, one other thing that I, I like to bring up, because I, I really like you know, thinking about the different levels of energy. And I think the highest level of energy is when we are connected with everything and everyone around us. Um, but I've had this happen many times where say I was going into a restaurant or a networking event or something where I had um, agreed to meet somebody that I had not met and I didn't know what they looked like. And I'd walk in and I'd look around and I would just sort of tune into a person in the room and say, I think that's the person. And I'd go up and say, hey, are you 
Sally. Yeah, I'm Sally. Are you Terry? Right. And it's just weird. I don't really know how I knew, but it happened enough times that I'd be like, okay, you know, I think I'm just going to go with my gut on this. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that we have uh, uh, more wisdom and, and maybe, you know, we talk about the sixth sense. I think that there is something to that. We don't know where it comes from or what exactly it is. But I think that if we're willing to, you know, open up to it, that it's something that we can begin to rely on and trust. And when you're describing that, um, Dr. Joe Dispenza talks about the Feelings is the language to the body. Yeah. Thoughts are the language to the mind. Right. When you connect both of them together, wow. Yes. Those kind of things, because you're trusting in the feeling of when you ask a question and you get this feeling and, and you're following, you want to call it intuition. It, it's that connection. Yes to me and I find that fascinating. Thank you for sharing that. <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, but let me ask you something. You started this in 2017 and then pandemic hits. Yeah. This has turned people's even high executive business owners world upside down. Would you agree that granted? Yes, it's a pandemic, but it's also an opportunity for us to hold up. Yeah. You know, it, it's like a, a reset for a new beginning to look at life, how your life has been. And it's like a wake up call. Would you yeah. agree with that? Oh my gosh, absolutely I would. You know, I think that um, when things are just going along in the, you know, sort of normal routine fashion, it's very easy for us to just accept that, right? But when we were forced to do things differently, you know, I think that many people began to realize like what they actually had control over and, and maybe began to realize like things don't have to be the way that they were really, they really were starting to examine, um, you know, things that they sort of accepted as truth or just the way things are and real. I mean, we were forced to right? that. For many companies, you know, they'd say, oh, well, we have to work in the office. People aren't going to be productive if they're, they're not in the office. But yet many people were more productive and actually worked longer hours even when they were working from home because, you know, for many people, they might have, you know, a two or three hour round trip commute. And so for them to say like, well, you know, I'll, I'll give an extra hour of work, right? Because I'm gaining two extra hours if I have a three hour commute all day, you know, in the round trip commute. Um, so I think that there were a lot of assumptions that were proved to be wrong. Um, and I and I also think that people, you know, I know for myself, I already worked from home, but you know, my kids were around more and it really made me look at my life differently and and to really examine like what's what's really important to me. You know, do I need to be caught up in, I mean, I used to go into Chicago um, at least once a, uh, once a week. And it took up a lot of time to do that. And, you know, one of my assumptions was that if somebody wanted to meet with me, that I had to meet with them in person and that maybe they would feel, you know, offended if I was like, oh, can we just do a phone call or a Zoom call? Um, but 
during the pandemic, when we had no choice but to do that, it there was so much more energy that went into connecting with people rather than, you know, hoofing it to the train and or driving into the city and spending 30 bucks to park or whatever. Um, you know, so I, I think that we can start to realize, like, we can still have very productive connections without necessarily, you know, meeting somebody at a coffee shop and spending 50 bucks to do it, you know? Right. But not only that, but it it's also is, you know, being more in control of your time. Yes. And yeah. a lot of, I mean, even those that have lost their jobs, you know, it's like, oh God, what do I do now? Because they got so caught up in that program, that matrix of mm -hmm. you know, paycheck to paycheck. But then when you're forced into something that you have no control, yeah, how, you know, like, okay, what do I do now? You're in your adrenaline. Then you're in fight or flight mode yes. and you're fighting for, to survive. You're trying to, you know, uh, fighting to get, make sure your kids are fed and everything. How, what would you say to those that are listening and watching today? How, you know, what's the first step? Yeah. You know, um, during the pandemic, I, I mean, as we all know, a lot of people got laid off and I work with people that are employed to be more effective in their jobs. But I also work with people that are in career transition. And, you know, I, I was very busy <laughs> over um, the pandemic because lots of people were getting laid off and needed my services there. But a lot of people also were sort of re-examining, you know, when they had this different perspective from which to work, they were like, I, I think that a lot of times when we're caught up in routine that we, we just accept it. And I think when people were looking at things from a different perspective, they were like, oh, does it have to be this way? But sorry, going back to, to answer your question, the first thing that is critical is to get clear on what your goal is. You know, and I, a lot of times when people are um, laid off, they'll, they'll be in this fear mode, right? That they, they are just maybe even like saying like, oh, I'm never going to get, I've heard it many times because I often I've talked to people within a day or two of them losing their job and you know they'll say I'm I'm 50 years old I worked at this company for 20 years like I'm never going to get another job who's going to want to hire me and that's natural okay it's completely natural for us to have fear and it's not productive to stay there for too long so you know if we can kind of process that and then you know finally step out of that and say you know, start thinking about what do I really want, right? Like what, what would I like to do next? What kind of skill sets do I have? Like what is my goal here? And get clear on the goal. And like I was saying earlier, let that goal live. Do not pile on and say all the reasons, oh, I'm 50 and nobody's going to hire me and all that kind of stuff. Don't go there, right? And then um, once you get the goal in place, you can start thinking about, okay, well, what are the steps that I would need to take to to make that happen. Often when we come up with the steps of how we make that happen, we may come across like, oh, well, you know, I'm a marketer and I've worked in marketing for 20 years, but you know, I've got some skill gaps. You know, maybe I need to learn a little bit more about digital marketing. There's plenty of ways to do that. There's lots of online courses that you can take to bone up on 
digital marketing. Um, and then the last thing, but as important as getting clear on the goal is getting into the right mindset. You know, going from that like self-protective, you know, fight or flight mindset to going to a place where you believe that the thing you want is possible. Okay, if you, if you don't get there, guess what? If you don't believe it's possible, it's not going to happen. But if you believe that it's possible, you might not know it's how it's going to happen, but it might be like my one client that, you know, he just had a coffee and he walked out of the coffee with a job offer. The only thing that he did was believed that he could make something different happen in his career and he started taking action. Once you get into that mindset that it's possible, it becomes possible. Right. Take some action, but. And being open. Like yep. it, it's like the unknown. You're stepping into the unknown. You're not sure what's going to happen, how yeah. it's going to happen, but you know, you saw a vision of what your future self looks like. And I, I do that like almost every day. Like I mm -hmm. rehearse, mm -hmm. you know, with my future self. We're practicing, we're mm -hmm. rehearsing. Sure. And I go, well, I don't know how I'm gonna make an income with this, but you know what? I love it. I enjoy mm -hmm. it. I'm making connections and I'm just gonna keep doing it. It will all fall into place. I'm just gonna stay open and let it reveal itself yes. to me. Yeah, any anything that you know new that happens starts with an idea. Okay, we have to envision it here before it can happen in the real life. And here's the thing too, sometimes people are afraid to do that. And again, like I said, that is totally natural to be afraid, but still allow yourself to go there because if you don't start to envision it, that thing could land in your lap and you would brush it off because you didn't even recognize it because you never envisioned it, right? So when we start to envision the possibilities, we also start to recognize them because we are surrounded, again, not to get too like woo-woo, but we're surrounded by opportunities, by possibilities. You know, I, I think about, you know, you talked about the energy of people around us and the universe and all of that. We're all connected by molecules, you know, like yes. if, if we were in the same room, I mean, right now we're, we're connected electronically, you know, but if I was in the same room or even walking by somebody on the street, like when I breathe out, they're going to breathe in some <laughs> molecules that were in my lungs a few minutes ago. We're connected. And I think that if we can start to like open our mind to, it's almost like a connect the dot type thing. You know, That's what and, say. connect the dots. Yes. Questions, question everything. If you connect the dots with our history, you'll realize like, wow, I've yeah. been in this program. I don't like it. I want to create a new one, you know, and it's just yeah. fascinating to me on. And then you mentioned something earlier. It's. And I just had a, a brain fart too. <laughs> <laughs> it happens to me all the time. <laughs> and, and that connection that we have, and you mentioned um, Dr. Drain Dreyer. Oh yeah. Your, uh, the thought process. And if you look back in history, the Wright brothers, the you know these inventions that took place all started 
Nikola Tesla, mm -hmm. you know, they lived and breathed. They saw this, they used their imagination. Yes. Mm -hmm. That And that is a energy, a vibration, and a frequency that you just yeah. submitted out there. Okay, good idea. I'm going to write it down. Yes. Not sure how this is going to come out, but I... I believe that that that's a good idea and just mm -hmm. let it doesn't happen overnight. I think right. there's a misconception. Would you agree a part of our programming in our upbringing? Everybody now is programmed like the thought comes, they feel good and everything. And they, they expect it to happen right now. Like going through a McDonald's fast through drive through. <laughs> Here you go, bam. Yeah, but successful multimillionaires and even high achieving some of them understand about delayed gratification. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think that it, the thing that I think is really interesting is that um, sometimes, yeah, we, like we have a vision and we're like taking steps along the way. And, we, you know, we've probably heard of lots of um, very successful entrepreneurs that have failed at businesses multiple times, right? But each time they failed, they learned something, right? They, right. they met more people that are going to help them in their future endeavors. They just didn't stop. Um, but I've also seen people, things happen extremely quickly once they, once they like start to believe it's, it's possible. Right. Um, and I, I think it's just a matter of like, like holding on to that belief, constantly looking for the opportunities and realizing that, you know, I really think that part of the reason that holds people back is their fear of being judged or fear of somebody's, you know, or maybe fear of not being perfect, fear that, you know, they're not going to do it, quote unquote, the right way. And my message to people is that, you know, you, each individual were put here on earth for a very specific reason. I don't know what it is. You don't know what it is. Our job here on earth is to figure out our purpose. And nobody else actually has the right or a perspective to judge you because they don't know why you're here. It's up to you to figure that out. And, you know, once we can step into that and just be like, you know, somebody wants to criticize me, whatever, because they don't know why I'm here, right? I'm figuring that out as I go along. Um, and, you know, and I think you can look around at a lot of people here on earth, you know, especially people that have done big things. And most of the time, you know, they've, they've overcome other people's criticism. Maybe they disappointed people because, you know, they wanted them to be, you know, a doctor instead of a singer or whatever, right? Uh, um, they wanted them to be a lawyer instead of a renowned heart surgeon, you know? Um, but it doesn't have, it also doesn't have to be something that's gonna, you know, end up in the world record books, right? It could just be that, you know, you've, you've made the most beautiful garden in your community. That might be your purpose, right? Or you've, you've been a mentor to someone that went on to do something great. I mean, we whatever our purpose is, it's it's up to us to figure that out. So don't worry about what other says, right? Yeah, like, don't, oh, don't you should do this. Yeah, exactly. Well, why? Because you did it, or because you didn't do it, and you want that for me to do? Uh, yeah, it right. And I think that's a, a, a 
has been happening a lot and that has a contributing factor to why people are miserable. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, and again, I think that, you know, sometimes people are going to judge us because they're unhappy and they're like, well, I had to do this. So you should have to do it too. And sometimes they're going to, you know, give us advice because they truly think it's going to be helpful and they can't stand to see us, you know, struggle to find our way. Um, are uh, successful. Yeah. Yeah. Because exactly. of their fear. And then you mentioned something um, earlier, uh, the belief and whatnot. But what about uh, the belief in yourself that, yes, I can do it. Yeah. Because I, I, you have to switch your mindset. Not only that, but would you agree your vocabulary, yeah. your self-talk, yeah. what you're telling yourself, and part of the beliefs of, what other people told you about yourself that wasn't really true? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You there that that's a gold mine of what you're what you just brought up there. Um, you know, I always say that, you know, try not to worry about what other people think because the bottom line is that you never really know what they think anyway. And it's not what other people think of us that hurts us. It's what we think of what other people think of us that hurts us. And you know, if we can just be there with ourselves, if we can be there to be that best friend to ourselves, and when something happens, if we make a mistake, you know, or if we, you know, we fail at something, right? Failure, to me, failure is not failure unless you don't get up, right? Like, if you keep getting up and taking another step, like you said, failure is just a first attempt in learning, or maybe you said fear, right? Is But right. I looked at fail as a first attempt in learning. Sometimes it's a hard way to learn something, but you've learned something. So get up and take the next step, right? Um, but a lot of times what will happen is because we expect perfection from ourselves, a lot of us do, that if we don't do something perfect or we have a painful you know, failure, um, that we will berate ourselves. You know, like if we, if we said out loud the things that go inside, inside our head, you know, we'd be shocked. We would never talk to anybody else like that. You know, a lot of times we'll say things like, oh, you're such an idiot. I can't believe you did that. That's so horrible, right? Like we talk really meanly to ourselves a lot of times. And if we can start to change that voice and talk to ourselves the way that we would talk to our child, our best friend, our mom, right? Where we'd be like, oh, you know, you'll get them next time. You gave it your best shot. Just brush yourself off. You can do it, right? If we talk to ourselves that way, we would preserve so much energy to be able to focus on our goal rather than, you know, feeling ashamed and humiliated and all of that kind of stuff. I mean, that, well, nobody got time for that. <laughs> but not only that, but you also, when you change uh, from a negative thought you know, with your ego and like, oh, you stupid idiot and say, you know what? That was so silly of me to do that. Yes. I don't know what I was thinking. Yes. Or you know what? You tried your best. It didn't right. work out. Doesn't mean you failed. It just something didn't work out. You learned something. And figure out another way of doing it to see, to, you know, get that success that we're looking for based on our goal, vision or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I, I have self-talks all the time in the car. You know, when I'm driving somewhere, I'm talking to, I'm actually mm -hmm. talking to myself. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it, actually I had something happen uh, years ago. I mean, this is probably twenty years ago or so. And at the time, I was uh, a marketing manager, and um, I don't know. I probably made about sixty thousand dollars a year, and I I really wanted to move up. And I went to this women's conference, and there was somebody there that was talking about self talk. And um, you know, she 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 said, I think that you should say out loud the things that you want. And I remember driving home from that, um, that conference and saying to myself, you know, I'm happy to make $100,000 a year. I, I'm worth $100,000 a year. I make $100,000 a year. Like I just kept saying this. And at first I felt so silly saying it out loud, but really what I was doing is over time, I was like retraining, you know, I, and by the way, I, I, I was raised uh, I'm first generation college graduate, so you know my parents were sort of blue collar type workers, you know, and and so I I didn't necessarily feel entitled to making you know over a hundred thousand dollars a year, but I was retraining my subconscious to believe this was possible, and I you know I got past that, I got well past that in my corporate career, but I really think that that was a hurdle that I needed to get over to believe it was possible because a lot of times when our subconscious isn't aligned with the things that we want, that we will sabotage ourselves. Yes. And, and, and it's all the mental, it's like mental programming, those beliefs. Our mind, our brain is like a computer motherboard. Yeah. And then what we see, what we hear and what we speak goes into that hard drive it's yeah. like everything's being recorded mm -hmm. and it really starts when you don't even realize it from the time of your birth yep. to seven years of age then it changes again and then yep. you're you're in your your preteens and teenage you keep and it sticks yeah yeah i um i often talk with my clients about you know examine what's in your bag because I, I think, like you said, you know, when we're children, you know, we're being taught things and, and below the age of seven, we don't have any ability to critically examine what's being told. We're, we're not, we have no objectivity at all, right? Like if mom says this, if dad says this, if grandma, if teacher tells us this, we just take it as truth. And it goes right. right into our sort of operating system, you know, like you were talking about. And so we believe these things that we've been told. And, you know, oftentimes that serves us at that time in our life. But what can happen is that as time goes on, things change around us, but we're still playing off that old operating system. So I kind of, I, I kind of look at it like, okay, it's sort of like, you know, Santa's sack of toys, <laughs> that as we're having experiences that we're throwing these beliefs into this bag and we're carrying them around with us. And every once in a while, it's, it, it's important to open up the bag and be like, where did this thought come from? Does this still serve me? You know, maybe not, right? Um, you know, one of the things that I had, my dad was sort of an intimidating kind of guy. He's a big guy. And I think he kind of liked that he could keep people, you know, a bit you know, at armed, arm's length. But what I found was that when I was at work and I worked in financial services, so there were a lot of men that I worked with that sometimes if somebody kind of reminded me of my dad a little bit that I would, I would kind of fall into that, like I'd feel a little intimidated. That did not serve me well. You know, I, I headed marketing and I needed to, you know, show up in a confident way. 
And, you know, over time I recognized this and I worked on it so that I could show up and not kind of be the, you know, show up as the passive daughter, you know, the young passive daughter, right? Um, I needed to show up as the director of marketing because that was what I was. Um, But it was was just an old, um, you know, old program playing out in the subconscious. Um, and I, you know, I, I think that me just getting curious about like, where's this coming from? Like, why do I feel weird around that guy? You know, like, why do I feel like I, I can't speak up in front of him? Right. That was coming from when I was seven years old, you know, and dealing with my dad. It wasn't, it wasn't, you know, the 40 year old dealing with, you know, the head of one of the businesses. I know it's amazing what you, when you start going through this, I call it transition, transformation, things mm-hmm. that pop up. And the one thing is, is when you're interacting, even in relationships, business, and, you know, many aspects of your life, when you recognize that, why am I feeling this way? Pay attention to that because that is an opportunity to heal a past Mm -hmm. trauma or past programming. Yes. So I'm like, okay, I'm always like, I become like a Nancy Drew investigator in my life. And with history, connecting those dots to where like, oh my God, why didn't I think about this before? Okay, great. We got it. Let's move on. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, that, and that's one of the things that I'll, I'll say to my clients too. Like if they, um, if they find themselves responding, and often this happens where people be like, I don't know why I do that. I don't know why when I go into a meeting, I don't want to speak up or I don't know why. And, and I say to them, right, like think about it, especially if it's a repeating pattern, if they find themselves kind of doing the same things in similar situations, I'll say to them, like go deep into what the thought is right before you respond. Like go deep into that because that's what's driving your behavior. You know, there's a trigger, like, you know, I'll just use that example I was talking about with my dad. My dad's like this big imposing guy. And so when I would be around some other man that had kind of reminded me of my dad, that would trigger this thought, which, you know, I didn't ever examine it until later, but the thought was, I have to be subordinate, right? That I'm not gonna, you know, I'm gonna get in trouble unless I'm subordinate to this man. Right. Because that's how it was when I was a kid. I'd get in trouble. I'd get spanked or something if I talked back to my dad or if I stood up to him or whatever. Um, and so I would show up in a way that was like, you know, subordinate. Um, but we have to go and say where, you know, what is that thought at that moment? And for me to like surface for, surface that and be like, oh, when I'm around this person, I, I have to be subordinate. I'd be like, what? That's not going to make me successful in the corporate world if that's how I'm showing up. You know, and so I had to recognize like that is an old bit of programming that needs to go. I need to think about like, how do I want to show up? What's the belief that I need to replace this with? And the belief was you're the head of marketing and you need to act like it. <laughs> you know, you need to come in with the ideas. If, if something needs to be challenged, you need to challenge it. Right. You have permission. Not only do you have permission to do that, but you're expected to do this. This is what you're being paid for. Right. So that that gave me some confidence to change that programming a little bit. But we all need to do that. Like if we're if we're not showing up the way that we want to and we're like, why did I do that? We need to go to the thought and, and then say, what do I want to replace this thought with? To the heart of the matter, 
Yep. Yep. I agree. And you know what, Terry, it was a pleasure having you on the show. And I hope that this was an, an, an insightful, informative interview that helps somebody that's watching us today. And how can somebody uh, get a hold of you? Do you have any books? Yeah, yeah. Well, um, people can go to my website, which is terrybmcdougal.com. I've got a blog out there, which is called A Winning at Work. I've got, um, you know, information about me and how you can get in touch with me if you'd like to explore uh, working together. My book, Winning the Game of Work, is available on Amazon and also at barnesandnoble.com as both a paperback and an ebook. And then I'm very active on LinkedIn as well. And so I would encourage any of your listeners to reach out and get connected with me or, you know, just take a look at the content that I, I'm posting at least uh, a few times a week out there. So, uh, but would be happy to chat with anybody that feels like what I talked about could be helpful with them. Awesome. Truly amazing. And thank you again for joining us today. Thank you, Kimberly. I had a lot of fun. Well, there you go. I hope that was insightful and you learned something, a little bit of something about yourself to help you transform your life so you can become the best version of yourself and start living your best life now. Stay tuned to another episode of Wake Up with KC with me, Kimberly. Do you agree that, you know, it's time that we all wake up and take responsibility, even for our ancestors that did not know any better? I've been waiting patiently to have this kind of conversation. <laughs>